Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. We've been looking at what happened in history when a man called Nehemiah was stirred up by God about the hardships faced by people back in his homeland of Jerusalem. So he left Persia where he worked for the king. Having obtained permission and protection and provision to go and get started rebuilding the walls and replacing the burnt down gates as he was doing that. And uh, the people who were doing the work together, they were also revitalized and restored as they saw God working for them and with them, despite the constant opposition and problems, both external and internal, that they had to contend with while they were doing it. I can't wait to get to this bit in our reading any longer. So as we're in Nehemiah chapter 6, I want to look at verse 15. I'm giving a bit of a spoiler alert here because it says this, So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. How fantastic is that? It really is a miracle. How many cases have you heard about where a construction project was completed before the deadline and under budget and it was a government project? My friend James was in the construction game all his life and when he became a Christian he told me the hardest thing was when he read in the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He said, that's not what you do in my line of work. If you want the work, you say yes. Even even if you know it's going to be a really a no or, or a long, long way off until you get round to being able to do it, you still say yes. But then he, be, he built a different reputation for being a truth teller. He did it the hard way. And over time, people started to notice and knew the difference that if he said yes, it was a yes. And that reputation got him better and better jobs because the truth matters and it matters to God that we speak the truth and that we know the truth and we we only deal in the truth in today's passage that line about getting the walls built on time is the meat in the sandwich but either side above and below that as I read in my bible I see there were lies and falsehoods that kept on trying to distract or dissuade or detract from what Nehemiah was doing so I want to talk today about what scripture calls discernment how to be able to tell God's truth in a world of lies. Not just to speak it, but to know when you hear it and when you don't. There's a supernatural spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit that's called in the New Testament, the discerning of spirits. Now I know that my wife Zoe has got this in spades. I'm so grateful for her that she's a prophet. And this is one of the main ways that her prophetic gift gets worked out, is that she just knows what's really going on in a room or, or a conversation or a person way better than I do. It saved me from a world of trouble whenever I've listened to that because we are one flesh as a married couple and whenever I've not listened to her or to that, I've always ended up living to regret it. So, how discerning are you? I have to say, Zoe hasn't always liked having this gift at all. She's told me at times it can make it seem even to herself that she's suspicious or or just not very nice when other people all say, oh, this is what we should be doing. Oh, that person is so lovely and kind and let's trust them. But she has this kind of spider sense going, ding, 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 ding. And what do you do with that? It takes courage to not just go along with everything. It takes wisdom to know whether or not to say something or or just, just pray about something instead. But Zoe said, 
And I know that there's other people here at Ivy that they're really like the watchmen on the walls that Nehemiah set day and night to help us build. And they, they carry a sword and a trumpet and a trowel or water. And as they pray and intercede for us, they help us all win and not be defeated. So I thank God for this gift of discernment. And we need the prophets to rise up. We need intercessors to pray day and night as we are in our year of rebuilding. To do that hidden work that's so powerful that God sees and hears. The New Testament speaks of discerning of spirits as one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. It can refer to discerning the times, what God is doing right now in the world or or in a place, or discerning good from evil. If we have the Holy Spirit inside of us as believers, we've got access to spiritual discernment to process spiritual things. But like any other gift, you have to practice to use it properly. The Greek root word used here is krino, which means to distinguish, to decide mentally and judicially, to judge. Diakrisis and diakrino, which refer to the gifts of discerning of spirits, means to separate thoroughly, to make a distinction or clear discrimination, to judge, to have perception, to have a sense of decision or judgment, to make a judicial estimation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 13 to 16 speak about things being spiritually discerned that can't be discerned or understood with the natural mind. It says, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. And there the Greek word anakrino is used, which means to separate or distinguish by looking throughout, to examine, scrutinise, question. It's not wrong to do that. We might have a negative reaction to words like judge, scrutinise, question. I'm not talking about having a critical or judgmental attitude where we don't listen to people or condemn everybody and just see demons everywhere, but God's Holy Spirit wants us to check what we hear so we can see the full picture of what's happening in the spirit realm and then make good decisions about how to do what he wants us to do in the natural world in which we presently live. We can judge without becoming judgmental and that's my definition of being discerning. Judge without becoming judgmental because God does speak personally to us. His thoughts, his truths, and what we're to do. He speaks through the Bible, of course, but somebody could misinterpret that or use it incorrectly. The devil tried to do that when he tempted Jesus. God speaks through times of intimate prayer and worship or revelation in pictures or verses and dreams and visions. He doesn't always speak dramatically or audibly, but through impressions from that still small voice into our spirits. God speaks through our circumstances or our senses and he wants to help us learn to discern natural world events or supernatural encounters and prophecies, signs, symbols or analogies inspired by the Spirit directly to us or through other people because not everything that seems or sounds spiritual comes from him. Not everybody who pretends to be is sent by him. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We're going to see 
some of how that worked out very practically in this next part of Nehemiah's rebuilding story. Verse 10, Nehemiah chapter 6 says, One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deleiah, the son of Mehatabel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. We read on and we see that this man was saying he was bringing a prophecy here. He was claiming that he spoke for God. He's shut away in his house. Other translations say he's confined himself. He's in lockdown with the doors like nailed up and he wants Nehemiah locked down too. But not for any good reason or because God has really said it. It's another scheme to stop the rebuilding. The devil had not been able to stop it by force or fear, by threats or slander. So now it's false prophecy that's used, fake news. We hear about fake news more and more these days as social media becomes more and more an anti-social media. It's defined as false or misleading information presented as news. Some people define it instead as anything that doesn't agree with what I already think or believe. The algorithms keep us in our echo chambers closed off from what's really happening. They form, they inform our personal and particular worldviews. And that's kind of like, I suppose, what has happened with this guy, Shemaiah. He's the son of a priest who was one of Nehemiah's closest friends and advisors. But now this young man's shut himself away in his own little world. And even though he's not got the internet, he's living there in fear of the outside world. And the fear just feeds more fear. So when Nehemiah calls at his house, he shouts out, we don't need to meet here. We need to go and we need to meet in the temple. God wants you and me to meet in the temple. And I'll tell you some things from here and there. We're going to have to shut the doors so nobody else can get in there because enemies are coming to kill you. They could be coming tonight. Now, it seems he'd locked himself away because he was afraid. He was afraid of the enemy. But actually, we find out later on, he was working for the enemy. He appeared to be concerned about Nehemiah, but the New King James Version here says he was a secret informer. What does Nehemiah have to do? What do we have to do? Learn to discern. Don't just look at the person or the circumstances and appearances that can be so deceptive because it seems like he cares for him. And he's suggesting what appears a very spiritual thing to do. And he uses God's name and everything all the way through. Now, Nehemiah did not have the Holy Spirit inside of him like we do if we say that we're Christians. Nehemiah did not have the whole Bible that we've got access to with all of its teachings, his warnings and its instructions. But I think he was way more clued up than most Christians who have very little idea at all about how to discern a true or a false prophet or a true or a false prophecy, how to tell the good news from fake news. So let's look and let's learn from him because he didn't know everything to do, but he did the right thing. Here's what we do. Number one, first of all, Check the messenger. That's all about character. We have to be discerning about who we listen to. It's like online with false news. You check who's behind this. Before we believe it or spread it, check the source. If we just believe everything, we'll soon end up giving all of our bank details to that princess so that she can send us a billion pounds from wherever she lives. The source matters. Matthew 7 verses 15 to 20, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit, you will know them. Nehemiah looked at this man and thought, do I want to be like him? He assessed the character of the one who said that he was speaking for God. And here he is trying to make secret arrangements, aiming to sound godly while whispering fearful rumours and gossip about bad and terrible things that are bound to happen if we carry on doing what we're doing. There's a time in Acts, it says that the Apostle Paul wept as he warned his friends at the church in Ephesus. He said that after I leave, wolves are going to arise. He says, even from your own number. And by the time the Lord was writing to them in Revelation, it seems that the Ephesians had forgotten their first love as a result of that. Nehemiah listens, but he does so with discernment. He looks closely at the tree, checks the fruit. Why is this so-called man of God hiding away in his house, dispensing advice? Well, we're all supposed to be out there building the walls. Then in verse 11, he says to himself, should a man like me run away or should somebody like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. And then Nehemiah looks at him and he thinks, you know what, I'm not like you. I don't wanna be like you. I'm not sneaky. And I'm not a coward. Jesus said a student will become like his teacher. If you believe lies and fake news before long, you'll be nailing yourself inside too, rather than taking the good news out to a world that's more ready and in need of it than ever. So we must be discerning about who we listen to. And we have to learn to discern what we listen to. So check the messenger, number one. And number two, check the message. That's all about content. The supposed message from God that Nehemiah was given was go to the temple Hide away, go in the holy place and I'll meet you there. Shemaiah said, I'll meet you there. And because he was a priest, he could go into the temple if he had good reason and at the right time. But there's, there was no way that Nehemiah could just walk into the sanctuary as he was being invited to without desecrating it and without disobeying the clear commands of scripture. In Numbers chapter 18, God clearly commanded to Aaron, the priest, that only him and his sons could go into the temple, could, could go into that part of the, through the altar and inside the curtain. He said, anybody else who comes near the sanctuary is to be put to death. It's like, that's not your place. Yes, Nehemiah was an important leader, but he was not a priest. It wasn't his place to go and do that. God had forbidden it. When King Uzziah grew proud and tried to just barge in and do what he wanted to do in the temple, he was judged by God for doing so. So check the message. Shemaiah's so-called word from God contradicted the word of God, scripture. So it was not to be followed. It could be rejected and disregarded. We make decisions about doing what God says or not every day. We just tend to do it unconsciously because rather than checking what God says, we ask questions like, will it make me happy? Will it hurt me? Will it hurt anybody else? Will anybody find out? Shemaiah's message was really, look after yourself, look out for number one. And that's what we're bombarded with every day. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs wrote that Western countries have changed from we countries with a sense of responsibility for the well-being of others to I societies focused on self-fulfillment. He said it's been a shift we've seen from duties to rights. And of course, with that shift, there are all kinds of false teachings available everywhere now. Some cunningly disguised as Christianity that will tell us to make decisions and live and do things that are clearly contrary to the word of God. They'll encourage you to do what you want. Go with whatever you think or feel, whatever will make you happy, rather than what God said is how you're gonna be blessed. 
Nehemiah knew better. And having checked the message and the messenger to see whether they lined up with what God had already said in scripture, from that he discerned the motive. He made connections. He says, I said, should a man like me run away or should somebody like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realised that God had not sent him, but that he'd prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He'd been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. See, as part of his process of discernment, now Nehemiah checks the connections. If he does this, what will that say about his own character and how he trusts in God? Will he honour God? Will it be the kind of decision that he'll end up being proud that he made? As he's processing this, he, his eyes are open and he thinks, hang on, who benefits if I do this? The only people in the story of my life who will want me to stop the work and abandon the wall and run away and hide in fear and go against God's word would be my enemies. He saw their motives. That's discernment at work. Listen, if somebody comes to you and says, I love you and God told me he wants you to leave that person you're married to and sleep with me instead, that doesn't need the gift of discernment. Or if somebody comes and says, hey, you're my friend and I've got this great business deal. You know my last one's all tanks, but before the creditors get what I owe them, if you come in with me now, I've got this great way that we don't even have to pay any taxes. The character of the messenger and the content of the message clearly reveal to you the motive of that person. You don't even have to pray about it. Just make the connection. See, we treat our decisions as if they're all individual ideas and actions, but when we take a step back and think and pray, we can see, for good or bad, better or worse, this links to that and leads to this. It's forming a pattern, a path. Those decisions are going somewhere. So many times God has spoken to me through others bringing a word from God, whether or not they always knew it, but mostly it was a confirmation or a connection, not a contradiction to things he'd already been saying. This wasn't a complete change. So, somebody comes along with a teaching, like I'm doing today from the Bible. We want to do that in church. Or somebody says, you know what, I was praying for you and I really think God's told me something that you need to know and that you need to hear. Well, that's great. The Bible says we must not despise prophecy. We need to hear God. I want you to tell me what you think God's saying. But I'm not saying they have to get everything 100% right. Because they might only have part of the picture. We should listen, but we must learn to discern. So, write this down, if you haven't written anything down yet. Who is saying it? Check the messenger. What do you know about their character? If you don't know them well enough, or if you don't know them at all, maybe you shouldn't be so keen to believe them in the first place. And actually, believe me, this applies to the internet too. However many followers somebody's got doesn't guarantee that you should follow them. So who? Then what are they saying? Check the message. Does it line up with scripture? If you don't know, well, there's your problem and your solution. You need to get to know scripture better. If you say you want to hear God and get his wisdom for your life, you need to know what he's already said. And he'll speak to you through his word. You don't just need somebody else to come and tell you what they think God is saying. Oh, but I really want to hear God. Well, read that every day. God will speak. Finally, why are they saying it? Check the motive. Make the connections. Will doing what they say lead you to obey or disobey God? Will it lead to start doing more of what he said 
or to stop doing what he told you to do? Will it lead to faith or fear? That's a very clear one because the Bible says here, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, Nehemiah goes on to list a whole bunch of other false prophets, including a woman called Noadiah. But now that he's seen what was really going on, it's like his discernment was operating to sharpen up all the other ways that the enemy was trying to put him in fear and distract him or, or derail him. And as you think about it, could it be you are where you are now? Or if you've got regrets about decisions that you've made, maybe it's because you've listened to lies. And God's saying now, you really need to learn to discern. So we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to increase for everybody watching this our wisdom and our discernment. We'll do that in a moment but as well as supernatural help remember he gave us common sense too. We need to ask questions like will this lead to where or who God wants me to be or what he wants me to do with my life? Is it, is it wise? Is it, is it really loving? Is it right as God defines it right? Will it lead me to a closer relationship with him? Will it make me healthier, more honest, holier? Let's pray. You know, Nehemiah didn't need another word from the Lord. He already had a great one, rebuild, and so he got on with obeying that. Why would God give us 10 more prophecies until we do what he already said? So it says he went back to the work and soon it was done. So Lord, teach us, show us, Help us do what you tell us to do and do what you say. Help us do what we said we would do about what you've already told us to do. Rather than going looking for another word or another word when we haven't done that one yet. Lord, teach us, teach me. Give, us the, give me the spiritual gift of discernment and the natural wisdom of a, a good conscience and common sense and help us to hear your word and build our life on it. I was to read it and listen to it and obey your voice above all else. Lord Jesus, you said, my sheep know my voice and they will not follow a stranger. So guard us from the wolves and the snakes. Guard us from the lies and the liars and the father of lies. And help us to learn to discern as we follow you, the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.